2: What's that
3: spell? San Diego!
2: If you're happy and you know it, San Diego is the place to show it. Book your trip at san diego.org Funded in part with the City of San Diego Tourism Marketing District Assessment Funds.
4: Imagine you're a fly on the wall at a dinner between the mafia, the CIA, and the KGB. That's where my new podcast begins. This is Neil Strauss, host of To Live and Die in L.A., and I wanted to quickly tell you about an intense new series about a dangerous spy taught to seduce men for their secrets and sometimes, their lives. From Tenderfoot TV, this is To Die For. To Die For is available now. Listen for free on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts.
1: Hello, and welcome to Saver production of iHeartRadio. I'm Annie
0: Reese, And I'm Lauren Vogelbaum. And today, we have an episode for you about turtle soup
1: yes and what a wild ride it is <laughs> oh my
0: heck yeah yeah this is right this is one of those ones where like I was like oh yeah this is a okay so so like Mardi Gras coming up and I was like all right like what's a dish that New Orleans is famous for that we haven't really dug into yet uh commander's palace is sort of famous for having turtle soup you had some while we were there um let's talk about that and then you get into the history and it's just bonkers (laughs) it's just like what the heck were humans up to what were they doing and why holy heck
1: yes yes and it was one of the times where we kept having to remind ourselves we are a food show yeah turtles are cool and weird it was difficult, listeners. It, it really,
0: difficult. yes. Um, I, 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 before we started, I had to, like, close a side quest tab that I had just opened about tortoise shell, like, as a material. Um, because I we, we have to record this episode, and I can't today. I cannot today. We're a food show, ostensibly. Ostensibly. Uh, <laughs>
1: <laughs> we do have some fun facts. We do. Sad that. facts in yep. this one. Mm-hmm. Um. I did just remember before we did this, some of you listeners know, I know Lauren knows, I have not a great history with pets. <laughs> um, oh, uh-huh, through yep. no fault of my own, I would like to say, but some of it was fault of my own. Uh, this was all like as a young child. Yeah. I did have a pet turtle.
0: huh.
1: I believe his name was, it was one of those like really bad puns like Shelly. I don't uh, think it was Shelly, but it was like that That level, level? okay. I had a pet turtle, and my uh, older brother had a pet snake, and we went on a vacation, and we bought them both with us. <laughs> oh. Uh, yeah. That's <laughs> ambitious. It certainly was. <laughs> and uh, we, we were going to go out to lunch, and I put up this whole big fuss about, like, look, we can't leave my turtle with the snake, because the snake will kill my turtle, and it will be so tragic. And my parents were like, that's really not how it works. It'll be fine. Huh. Uh-huh. Um, so we kept them in the same large-ish, like, aquarium situation. Mm-hmm. And we returned from lunch, and um, both were dead.
3: oh, oh. oh. Because
1: <laughs> my turtle had tried to eat the snake. Oh. And choked. And so... <laughs> no Um, more turtles for me (laughs) um i i'm sorry that i just laughed so hard at that um no it's pretty funny in in hindsight i'm sorry to the turtle and the snake i touched you too harshly snake yeah it was the turtle that was the threat (laughs) i
0: yeah no and turtles yeah um oh. turtles have a lot of ire in their hearts. Yes. Um they do not like us. And I think no. that this history will reveal why.
1: It will indeed. It will, indeed. Uh <laughs> <laughs> to kind of give us an up note after that story. I also recently hung out with a good friend of mine, friend of the show, Marissa. And it's it's a long, confusing, convoluted story, but essentially she just said in the middle of a conversation, uh, that's like turtle talk. And expected us all to know what she was talking about. Uh-huh. And it took, I would say, a solid seven minutes before we got to the bottom of what she was talking about, which is Crush, the animated turtle from Finding Nemo, has this thing called Turtle Talk at Disney World. Oh, oh okay. Where he talks to you. Oh, Um, Turtle talk. And I bring it up because this is actually something that came up in the research a lot of sort of huh. this, like, cutification or anthropomorphizing of turtles in the story of uh, turtle soup and why it sort of fell out of favor. But it just made me laugh because she was so certain we would all know what turtle, turtle talk, talk was. was. <laughs>
0: it's Like, clearly, it's turtle talk.
1: Um, Obviously.
0: <laughs> right. Um, yeah, really no, that's funny. not. I had not heard of that before either. So I'm glad. No. Thank you for elucidating. Um, oh, Always. Yeah.
1: <laughs> it was very funny. It was one of those conversations I wish I had recorded. <laughs> um, but, all right. Uh, you can see our New Orleans mini miniseries uh, for uh-huh. more foods popular during Mardi Gras or just kind of a general contextualization history of uh-huh. that uh, culinary scene. And, yes, I did have some. I had some turtle soup when we were there. But... I guess this brings us to our question. Uh, I suppose it does. (laughs) In a very interesting way, Uh yes. uh Um, Turtle soup. What is it?
0: Well, uh, turtle soup is a category of soups made with turtle meat. Uh, Though these days a mock turtle soup is probably more common in a lot of places, um, uh, which is a category of soups made with turtle substitutes. And of course, like making a meat into a soup can take just about infinite forms, depending on the exact cut of meat in question and what other ingredients you incorporate and how you season it. And indeed, uh, various cultures around the world make all sorts of soups using turtles. But in the English-speaking world, and specifically in the U.S., and extra specifically in New Orleans, a turtle soup often refers to a a hearty tomato-based soup that's thickened with a a toasty roux, seasoned with Worcestershire sauce and alliums, um, and sweet and spicy peppers, brightened with lemon and parsley, and smoothed out and, and sort of sweetened with sherry upon serving. Uh, all with this with this rich undercurrent of, of turtle stock and little bits of meat. Um, mock turtle soups usually use beef or veal as a substitute. And like, y- y- you know how you know how some soups are almost like a gravy kind of, um, mm-hmm. like a sipping gravy. It's uh, it's 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 one of those. Um, it's it's one of those. Uh, just savory and silky and stick to your bones like a like a meaty tomato soup. Um, like. Gumbo took a hard left at Albuquerque and now it's not sure where the heck it is. Um it's it's old-fashioned and a little fussy in a way that also feels um homey and and modern to me, uh, which to me is just absolutely New Orleans. Like that is the vibe.
1: Yeah. Yeah, I agree. It's got like all these kind of steps in it. <laughs> Uh, like the adding of the sherry at the end that feels very new orleans to me kind of the like final touch right right Mm. yeah and like
0: like, and having right like a tradition around it having like a like it's not just soup like you right you have right
1: right yeah like there's uh not in every place but in a lot of places there is kind of a serving a whole yeah ritual around serving the soup
0: (sighs) love it um Mm. okay so turtle is a Darker type of meat with um, a richness like like a chicken thigh or pork, but a little bit of the chew and brininess and sweetness of like clam. Yeah. Um, It's been compared to to frog legs, if you're familiar with those. And turtle turtle itself is going to be a whole different episode. Or series of episodes at some point, um, but but yeah, these are usually um, aquatic or semi-aquatic reptiles with an internal skeletal structure and a large external shell that's fused on. Uh, the types of turtles used today can vary. It's often snapping turtle. Um, traditionally speaking, you would make a stock from like bone-in turtle and then use that stock in creating the soup for mock turtle soup. You're probably using beef stock. And to build the, the the flavor and the body of the soup, yeah, you start with a roux, um, which is butter and flour cooked together to make, in this case, like a toast-colored paste. Um, then add a, a version of mirepoix uh, or diced aromatic vegetables that's called trinity or holy trinity, which consists of onion and celery and bell pepper. Um, After they soften, you start adding stock until you approach the consistency that you're going for. And also add in whatever meat you're using, either ground or chopped, um, plus crushed tomatoes or maybe tomato juice and your seasonings. Seasonings can vary. Uh, That Worcestershire sauce, cayenne, pepper, paprika, nutmeg, and cinnamon are all pretty common. Um... And then, yeah, after simmering everything together, you finish with stuff that you don't want to to, to get cooked down. Um, uh, Lemon juice and or zest, parsley, maybe some chopped hard-boiled eggs, and some dry sherry. Um, The sherry can also be added at the table if you are, yes, going for that ritual kind of situation. For mock turtle soup, the meat might be ground beef or chopped veal or um, the meat pulled from a boiled calf's head. Um, which is like really specific uh, when when tur- when turtle meat first became real expensive calf's head was considered like the best substitute although these days it's probably just as difficult to get a hold of so yeah mileage right. may vary um, mm-hmm. if you are looking for turtle meat um, check uh, check your local Asian supermarket um, but you can also buy it online yeah yeah and yeah, turtle soup these days is mostly served in places that are like marketing a historical sort of vibe um, in cities like New Orleans or Philadelphia. It can be an appetizer or a main course. Um, in some places, it might be called snapper soup or terrapin soup, based on the species of turtle that was traditionally used in that area.
3: Hmm. 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 Well,
0: what about
1: the nutrition?
0: It de- it depends. It depends. It's a soup. It depends on what you put in it. Um. But uh. But I will say that like generally there is like, this is like a roux heavy soup. So there's like a lot of butter involved, which is great tasting. Mm-hmm. <laughs> um. Uh. It's you know I don't know eat eat a eat a vegetable. You know, Tur- <laughs> turtle is not a vegetable.
1: It's- I had a moment where it's like wait a minute. Oh yeah. No. <laughs> Firing on all cylinders today. Oh yeah, oh yeah. Uh, yeah. We have a couple of numbers slash facts for you. Yeah.
0: Okay. All right. So like, yeah, we have like one bullet point of numbers. Um, yeah. as of 2008, China was farming um 300 to 600 million turtles a year, um, worth some 750 million dollars. Oof.
1: Yeah. Um, the mock turtle. Was featured in Alice's Adventures in Wonderland.
0: Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, mm-hmm. When she goes through the through the keyhole and hangs out with right the Mock Turtle and the and the Griffin, and they have like a silly race, and the mouse tells its long sad tale, and then she cries <laughs> a lot, um, and they all float away on a sea of her tears.
1: Oh wow, that's such a fun thing to hear, kind of out of context. <laughs> I really liked it. <laughs> yeah, as we
0: discussed in our Alice episode, describing anything from those books is uh... <laughs> <laughs> a fun task, a difficult, fun,
1: strange task.
0: <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, all right, one, one more. Uh, okay, so as a riff on the candies that are called turtles, which are like chocolate. Covered like bits of caramel and nuts. Yeah. Um Mm -hmm. Ben and Jerry's had an ice cream flavor in the uh early 20 aughts called turtle soup.
1: Oh, turtle soup. Yeah. 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 Yeah, I forgot about that. My dad used to get me turtles every Christmas. Oh. Oh. They were good. They Mm -hmm. were good. I've told the story before, but I would always get the dark chocolate ones. My older brother would get the milk chocolate ones, and my younger brother would get the white chocolate ones. Yeah. Turtles. Mm. Well, <laughs> wow, we have quite the history for you. <laughs> oh, heck we do.
0: Okay, and we are going to get into that as soon as we get back from a quick break for a word from our sponsors.
1: This episode is brought to you by Pronamel. Not all our favorite foods and drinks are BFFs with our teeth. Salad dressing, seltzers, and fruits can be enamel enemies. Thank you, sponsor. Yes, thank you. And uh, so, Turtles. Uh-huh. Oh, dear. Uh, yeah, that's going to be a whole episode. Also, oh, yeah. probably a whole different podcast. Yeah. they fascinating honestly Uh fascinating Uh and they're very very old and they're like frequently put in the same kind of category of like dinosaurs so that's cool i like that Uh Uh um i found some accounts that said that they're about 110 million years old sea turtles specifically okay aquatic turtles Uh um although some pretty recent developments i think from 2018 put them at closer to 230 million years old oh wow Okay. All right. Mm-hmm.
0: Cool. Yeah. Um, okay. So they've been doing what they've been doing for for just a second here. Yeah. Yes. For a hot second.
4: Mm-hmm.
0: Um, well, uh, archaeological evidence shows that Paleolithic people were probably eating turtles and tortoises as long as 400,000 years ago in what's now Israel. Um, so, uh, yes, turtles have been around for a while and we've been eating them for a while.
1: Yes, and this was one of those ones where to me it just makes sense wherever turtles were, people were probably eating them. I mm-hmm. couldn't like find a lot of sources about it, but I imagine, yeah, if mm-hmm. turtles were around, people were probably like, Can I eat that? <laughs> it doesn't move that fast. Let's try. Yeah, <laughs> yeah, exactly. Mm-hmm. Um, local turtles had been a key part of the diets of indigenous Americans for centuries prior to European colonization. Um, But, yeah, jumping way ahead, Mm -hmm. turtle soup. Uh, Turtle soup became popular in the 1700s. According to some sources, British soldiers on the return voyage from the Caribbean would catch wild turtles um, as a source of protein, Um, and they would also transport some of these turtles back home, where rich people readily bought them up, snatched them up, um, serving them at these fancy dinner parties and celebrations at the height of the turtle trade. Britain was importing 15,000 turtles from the Caribbean a year. Cool. But yeah, this was a far cry from their subsistence beginnings.
0: Yeah. Uh, historian India Mandelcombe wrote, The green sea turtle was without doubt the most expensive, status-laden, and morally contested feat of 18th century English cuisine. Like, by the 1750s, Eating turtle was a huge status symbol and like vaguely patriotic for the English because like they had successfully colonized the Caribbean and they could afford to import this kind of weird animal from there and then eat it. Uh hmm. so it was really mm-hmm. wrapped up in this kind of like nationalistic pride about
1: colonization. Interesting. Interesting giving what happens with like New Orleans and France and England. Anyway. Huh. Okay. Well, this dish's popularity extended to the well-to-do in the American colonies, Mm -hmm. um, and it was adapted based on Region 2. They even played a main role, like uh, turtle soup um, and turtles also played a main role in some post-Revolution American dishes Mm -hmm. for the likes of John Adams. And apparently, there was an elite Hoboken turtle club (coughs) Formed in uh-huh. 1796. Sure. And <laughs> and <laughs> President Lincoln allegedly had turtle soup at his inaugural feast. Like, it was a very, yeah, it kind of had this, like, aura, this mystique. hmm uh-huh. Fancy turtles. Um, yeah. In Philadelphia, for instance, people would add sherry just before serving. Um, and at the time in that area, turtle soup generally consisted of big green sea turtles.
0: Yeah, and these had to be brought in from the coast um, and, and possibly from further down south. Their their fat layer has this greenish tinge that might have kind of colored the soup a little bit. I'm not sure.
1: Yeah. I Yeah. Yeah. Which was a thing. Which was a thing. You wanted the, well, some people wanted that green tinge. Yeah, yeah. Um, And these turtles could vary wildly in size, but generally fell between 50 to 300 pounds. And because of the size and price of the turtles, they were often the centerpiece of a banquet. And people might have even purchased tickets to attend where there were these turtles at Mm -hmm. the centerpiece to Mm -hmm. see what all the fuss was about. Yeah. I read some of these events were called turtle frolics. <laughs> turtle frolics. Turtle frolics. Sure. Yes, and it wasn't just private citizens either. Hotels and restaurants would run ads about their turtle offerings.
0: Yeah, um I I saw that some right hotels and restaurants would um would take a turtle shell from a previous uh frolic, I suppose. Um <laughs> And uh, and paint like on the shell, like, hey, basically like, hey, we have turtle soup here. Come check it out um, and hang the shell outside. And that was part of the I mean, they would, might also run an ad on a newspaper that was not <laughs> printed on turtle shell. Um, but yeah. Yeah. Um, and and right. People would keep them in like big tanks um, until they were ready for use. And so that was kind of part of the draw because you get get to see this turtle um, in in 1808. I read. There was a dinner held in London for 400 guests that served 2,500 pounds of turtle. Wow. Wow. It was a mm. whole
1: thing. It was a whole thing. <sighs> Ooh. Uh, by the 1860s, companies in Texas were canning green turtle. Okay. All
0: right. Um. And yeah, it, it became this whole thing. It, it became like a cultural benchmark that anyone of like a certain level of sophistication was expected to to know about and to have had um a, a Swedish traveler who visited the United States in the 1860s went to New Orleans and um, was trying to write home about gumbo all right and and he used turtle soup as this this benchmark yeah He said that gumbo is the crown of all the savory and remarkable soups in the world, a regular elixir of life of the substantial kind. He who has once eaten gumbo may look down disdainfully upon the most genuine turtle soup. Whew.
3: Wow.
1: Yeah. What a burn. (laughs) (laughs) Well, uh, because... Of their popularity, turtles were hunted to the brink of extinction. And because of that, the price of turtle meat skyrocketed, like Uh mind bogglingly so, Uh Um, pushing turtle meat out of the price range for most folks. And it was already like pretty fancy. Yeah. (laughs) Yeah. Um, Not to mention, most recipes at the time for turtle meat were extremely complicated and time-consuming. Like, some of them were five to six pages for a recipe. Mm-hmm. So mm-hmm. that's a lot of also time. Work. You're putting yeah, in. sure. Yes. Um, Hannah Glass's 1751 edition of The Art of Cookery, Made Plain and Easy, included some of the earliest English recipes of turtle, uh, with some focusing on the fins, on the entrails, on the belly, uh, the back of the shell, um, and the soup. Yeah. As well, and
0: the soup in this book is like a recognizable version of what we still eat today. It's a it's a veal broth with uh, with turtle meat, um, clove, nutmeg, cayenne pepper, uh, Madeira wine, thickened with roux.
1: Yeah, yeah. Yeah. Um, In her 1769 work, The Experienced English Housekeeper, Elizabeth Raffold, wrote, The first course should be of turtle only when it is dressed in this manner. But when it was with other victuals, it should be in three different dishes. But this way I have often dressed them and have given great satisfaction. Satisfaction with a capital S. I don't know if that was like in the book or if that was just... (laughs) But I hope that it was in the book. Yeah.
0: Capital S Satisfaction.
1: Capital S Satisfaction. I love it. Should be turtle only. <laughs> Otherwise, I am out. <laughs> um, but kind of the point being when that recipe was included in a lot of the articles I read that it was for the the well-to-do. It was like a part of the the meal. It was just yeah. in some way you had turtle. Um, some early recipes called for including the turtle's blood after bleeding it into into the soup. And a significant number of American and English cookbooks from this time included five or more recipes for a turtle and some people think that's because it was kind of complicated to cook or to make like it ha- it did have a lot of pieces and it had a lot going oh, on. Oh sure.
0: And yeah, and you know, like like where someone might more easily know what to do with like a chicken, right. There needed to be some explanation about how to
1: butcher a turtle. Right. <laughs> yes. Yeah. Yeah. Yes, okay, so we're seeing this decline in in turtle, the turtle population. We're seeing this really high price. Um, this is where we get mock turtle soup. Um, and yeah, it's right in the name. Uh, it's just basically like trying to find a substitution for a turtle that's close enough um cooks and chefs experimented until they arrived at a soup that imitated the flavor and texture of turtle soup and yeah it was typically a combo of calf's head at the time and light vegetables Mm -hmm. um and some even found a way to make this mock turtle soup green to Mm. further mimic the popular dish um but a note too it wasn't easy to make either and it wasn't necessarily inexpensive
0: (laughs) (laughs) nope just less wildly expensive
1: Right. Uh, And apparently the U.S. government played a role in pushing this mock turtle soup to convince the American public, uh, who were previously wary of awful, and you can see our awful episode about that, Mm -hmm. um, to consume it and to pay for it. Uh, And it worked for a while, but by the end of World War II, people were really looking to return to things like beef hamburgers and steaks. Oh, sure. Mm -hmm. Well, mm -hmm. Uh, a recipe published in 1764, going a bit back, instructed followers to clean and boil calf's head until tender. And then you would add in veal, ham, fowl, and wine to the mix, uh, sometimes with meatballs and hard boiled eggs. Mm-hmm. It's very rich sounding to me. Yeah. Um, other people experimented with various beef organs to achieve the taste and texture of turtle, um, but calf's head was still, yeah, it was generally deemed the best substitute. However, uh, marked turtle soup wasn't the only solution uh, to this shortage of turtles. People mm-hmm. in the U.S. also started turning to local varieties of turtle as well, um, including the terrapin, a species of turtle native to the southern and eastern parts of the United States. Mm-hmm. I think this story is a little bit hard to pin down because I'm pretty sure uh, people were eating these types of turtles for free. Um, <laughs> Uh-huh. <laughs> but but this is when people were like, wait a minute, we could make money off of this. Anyway, um, in 1832, a British actress visiting Philadelphia wrote, came home and supped. I had eaten nothing since four o'clock and was famished, for I do not like stewed oysters and terrapins, which are the refreshments invariably handed round at an American evening party. Hmm. And then she went on to write um, of her father, quote, set off with Colonel for Hoboken, a place across the water famous once for dueling, but now the favorite resort of a turtle-eating club who go there every Tuesday to cook and swallow turtle. <laughs> <laughs> oh, my. Oh, my. <laughs> um, A butcher from New York in the 19th century wrote about the diamondback terrapin that they were, quote, the best of the turtle tribe. They are usually cooked with the shell on for the various dishes and considered best and fattest in the months of November, December, and January. Uh, Female turtles were preferred both for the meat and for their eggs, which were viewed as almost a delicacy, but you can already see the issue right here Uh with the turtle population. Uh (laughs) Yeah. Um. Some chefs from the time created a whole reputation on being able to cook huh. terrapin.
0: Yeah. Uh, and apparently President Taft was a fan. Um, he commissioned a chef specifically for his turtle soup. Um, uh, and the chef called this Taft terrapin soup. It involved a turtle, four pounds
1: of veal, and was served with champagne. Wow. Mm-hmm. Ooh, fancy. Yeah. Um But, yeah, it wasn't long before terrapins were endangered, too, by about the early 20th century. um, And this led some chefs and food writers to press for less people to consume them unless they had a, quote, refined palate (laughs) to appreciate them. (laughs) Wow. Um, In their minds, the substitutes were good enough to fool most people. Um, Here's a quote from the time. Uh, the Diamondback Terrapin is wasted on anyone save an epicure, a very discriminating palate, and even on him, unless it profit first by the service of a culinary adept. For the difference in flesh between the true Diamondback and many masquerading counterfeits is so slight that only the combination of high professional skill and a keen palate justifies the enormous difference in price the flesh of the diamond back and various of its substitutes is alike in being highly gelatinous and in owing fame chiefly to its adaptability and quick response to skillful cooking wow Wow. yeah all right Uh, Um, that's such a like (laughs) what a i mean i get it but it's also like damn (laughs) like right like, all Can right, I be? guess I won't
0: eat that diamondback terrapin. Like, that's, n- nope, yeah. n- nope, no problem. You keep it. You keep it, <laughs> yes, man. You yes. know a lot more than me, clearly. Don't mansplain my turtle to me. But, like, all right. <laughs> right. Um, <laughs> heck. Uh, but, yeah, no, like, there, there was a little bit of a panic. Um, uh, like, in 1902, the U.S. Bureau of Fisheries got Congress to pour millions of dollars into terrapin farming research. They were like, we are... We are running out of terrapins. We need them for our soup. What are we going to do? Right. Yeah.
1: Yes. So there was also another turtle that people turned to Mm -hmm. for this soup in the U.S., and that is the alligator snapping turtle. Uh, And it became so popular as a soup ingredient that it almost led to their extinction Mm -hmm. in the 1960s and 70s. According to one collector of these turtles in Georgia, um, they were gathering a ton of Wow. From a river in Georgia every day, every day at their peak. And they stopped when the population had dwindled to the point that it just wasn't worth their while. Wow. Yeah. Um, at one point, Campbell's Soup offered turtle soup just like right along tomato soup. Mm-hmm. <laughs> mm-hmm. Right alongside. Uh, they did discontinue it uh, by the, the 1960s. And by the 1960s even mock turtle soup was fairly rare uh but yeah we have to step back a bit again Uh um, because we got to talk about prohibition yeah clearly (laughs) clearly because it actually Uh played a role in the conservation of the turtle species and the decline of turtle soup Uh in the u.s because sherry was a main ingredient and many turtle soup recipes.
0: Yeah. Uh, and the the downfall of turtle soup um, was really due to this one-two punch between Prohibition and the Great Depression. Like, you couldn't get sherry. And turtle was this premium ingredient at this time when many could not afford the expense. Um, turtles were going for the equivalent of, like, a 100
1: bucks a piece at the time. Whew. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. However, uh, through all of this, local turtle was still this subsistence food. Like like mm-hmm. I said earlier, they were kind of free, if you could find them. Yeah. <laughs> yep. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So gopher turtles, because of that, became such a key source of meat during the Great Depression South that they were called Hoover chicken <laughs> after the president. <laughs> mm-hmm. Yeah. Wow. Um Something else that didn't help, as mentioned at the top, animated turtles or otherwise like cultural turtles <laughs> that we fell in um, love with, mm-hmm. like yeah. Franklin and Girdle, the ninja turtles, Crush, turtle talk yeah. with Crush. Yeah. Um, and, I, and I would say for a lot of people, and myself included, they kind of became, like when you think of endangered species. You think of the turtle, yeah, like the sea of, turtle especially. one of the icons of that entire
0: movement, yeah.
1: Exactly. So that was certainly something that people, it was on people's minds when it came to this dish. Mm-hmm. Um, in 2004, Louisiana illegalized the commercial collection of alligator snapping turtles. Um, restaurants in the state that still offer traditional turtle soups source their turtles from farms and not wild populations. Yeah. That's kind of an older number, so I would love to know how that's going. Um, (laughs) yeah, yeah, because it is, from what I understand, kind of, as you said at the top, Lauren, relegated to certain areas and restaurants, Mm -hmm. um, and kind of subject to certain rules. And I feel like they know, they understand that a lot of people do have this, like, but Frank on the turtle. Right? Not crush. <laughs> what about turtle talk? Don't you know about turtle <laughs> turtles? Turtles
0: are friends, not food. Yeah. 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 <laughs> um, right. I mean, you know, like, like I, I had a crush on Donatello, like any normal <laughs>
1: child <laughs> growing up. Of course. Up, so that <laughs> Indisputable.
0: Uh, gosh,
1: um... <laughs> Uh, but,
0: but, but, right. Yeah. So, uh, and, and, and there were like a bunch of laws that went into effect in the 1970s that, um, that prevented the, um, the wild collection
1: of turtles. Um, so.
0: Yeah.
1: Yeah. yeah. And I know, um, climate change, as always, has not helped. Um, certainly not. And also, I would love for listeners, so you can, we've been pretty much focusing on like English speaking world and, New Orleans specifically, but I know that in other cultures people eat them as well. So, oh yeah, if you can write in about that, that'd be great.
0: Yeah, yeah, definitely. Yeah, th- this specific phenomenon of like English turtle soup, and right. then right like like early American turtle soup that has persisted um, is extremely specific. Um But, yes. but oh my goodness, I want to hear about all of the other turtle dishes around the world and how. Yes. And whether or not other people messed up their turtle populations as seriously as we did. <laughs>
1: yes. We certainly did. We certainly did. Ah, mm-hmm. uh, Well, uh, I think that's what we have to say about turtle soup for now. <laughs>
3: yes.
0: Um, we, we, do, we do have some listener mail for you, though. And we are going to get into that as soon as we get back from one more quick break for a word from our sponsors. And with new Pronamel Repair mouthwash, you can enhance that repair
1: beyond just brushing. Pronamel is the number one dentist-recommended brand for acid erosion, so buy Pronamel Repair anywhere you buy toothpaste or mouthwash. Visit pronamel.com.
3: Every family has skeletons in their closet. Mine certainly does. Ones that go back a hundred years and reach thousands of miles back to our hometown in Sicily. Ever since I can remember, my relatives told the story of my great-great-grandmother who was killed by the mafia. I'm Joe Piazza, and in my new podcast, I'm taking on a generational vendetta, visiting the scene of the crime, confronting mafia experts, tracking down Italian officials, and even consulting mediums to set the record straight on my great-great-grandmother's mysterious disappearance. And in between the fact finding missions, I'll be drinking a lot of wine and eating all of the pasta. Come to Italy with me to solve this hundred year old murder mystery. Listen to the Sicilian Inheritance on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. Imagine you ask two people the
2: same exact set of seven questions. I'm Minnie Driver.
1: Back, thank you, sponsor. Yes, thank you. And we're back with moon.
0: Moon. <laughs> oh my goodness!
1: <laughs> I was gonna do uh, turtle talk, but then I shouldn't do turtle talk, but that would be like a serpent dude voice.
0: Okay, yeah, no, that, yeah. no, this, this this one was good. This one was, yeah, there. I, I enjoyed it <laughs> again. I wish that we had a that this was a visual medium <laughs> because uh. I will say that Annie's <laughs> gesticulation during that, um, m- mirroring the movement of a turtle, of a sea turtle, was very, very good. Thank you.
1: Yep, well, thank I have you. to give you as many tips as I can. Yeah, <laughs> I know it's not easy. <laughs> <laughs> so I hope it communicated what I needed it to
0: communicate. It's, it's, it's an adventure every time.
1: It certainly is. <laughs> <laughs> Vivian wrote... I haven't listened in a long while and finally caught up on three episodes last night while cooking dinner. Didn't realize till then how much I missed your voices and banter.
0: Oh.
1: Oh. Uh, Regarding lettuce. I think an extremely underrated way of eating lettuce is actually blanching it or adding it to light soups. Mm. Seems sacrilegious to apply heat to a salad vegetable, I know. That's what I thought when my grandma first served it in a chicken soup. But cooking it actually really brings out a sweetness, as happens with other veggies. Mm. They retain their crunch quite well even when cooked. They're amenable to stir frying or even grilling, too. Romaine lettuce is quite similar and in the same genus as a choy. Literally, vegetable A, which can be served stir-fried, steamed in soups in Chinese cuisine. So no wonder my grandma thought nothing of applying the same methods to the same salad grain. <laughs> Regarding lotus root, thank you for featuring one of my favorite veggies. I love them every which way, especially in pork rib soup, in hot pot, and as dessert as you mentioned. Lotus seeds are also an excellent addition to soups and porridges. Light in flavor, creamy of texture. There's a beautiful idiom about the lotus root. It literally translates to lotus breaks, silk connects, and refers to how when you break a lotus root, there are often silk like stringy fibers that maintain a tenuous connection between the two halves. Aww. It's a metaphor for a relationship that has been ended, but where the two parties still retain feelings for each other, still think of each other. Oh. Regarding Limburger, just wanted to add that I too deeply enjoy so called smelly foods. <laughs> My favorite cheese is epoise, an orange rind soft cheese that is supposed to be stinky but to me is merely pungent. Hmm. Same goes for durian. I don't think it smells like socks or garbage at all. It just smells strongly like the promise of an incomparable complexity and strength of flavor. Hmm. If you haven't tried it, I highly recommend fermented tofu curd, sometimes considered Chinese cheese. Wang Jifu is the go to brand and it can come in a variety of different flavors. I'm currently going through a jar of gray blocks dubbed stinky tofu. Oh. May the new year bring you lots of new deliciousness. Oh. Oh, thank you. <laughs> yes. Oh. yes. I've had a lovely stinky tofu. It's- I really like it. <laughs>
0: yeah, no, I, right. I, I enjoy stuff like that. Um, It's right. It's maybe not every day, all the time, constantly. Sure. But certainly uh-huh. as like a, ooh, oh, that's a, that's exciting. Huh.
1: Yeah. Yeah. Like I said, I'm pretty sensitive to smell. But if I can, like, get past the smell, then mm-hmm. I love, like, quote, stinky things as well. Yeah. Uh, they usually do have, like, the flavor doesn't match the smell in a really interesting way a lot of times. <laughs>
0: Oh, no, absolutely, absolutely. The smell is usually so much stronger than the flavor. Mm -hmm. And so then you're like, oh, this is nice. This is like sort of mild.
1: Yes, 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 yes. Um, I am. Durian is part of our feast. It's been there forever. We will try it. I want to try it. Um, Also, I apologize if I mispronounced anything in there, but I tried my best. And also, I love that idiom. Right? Um, Oh, that's so nice. Lotus breaks, silk connects. That's very, I love that. That's beautiful.
0: And, mm. and, yeah, uh, grilled grilled lettuces are so good. Yes. Mm-hmm. One of my favorite things to do.
1: Mm-hmm. Agreed. Mm-hmm.
0: <laughs> well, uh, Anne wrote, thanks to your episode on bonito flakes, we have discovered a new favorite snack for our two-year-old. She is obsessed with ungiri filled with soy sauce, bonito flakes, and furikake. I'm um, unsure if you actually enjoy kids, but here she is going full feral on that combination in a bowl. Um, maybe one day she will eat a vegetable, too.
1: Okay, and and it, this email <laughs> came with a very cute video of a baby going to Absolute Town. <laughs> Absolutely. I I love it. Honestly, one of my very favorite things about, like, young children is their food taste because they can be so specific? Yeah, they can be like mm-hmm. so picky, and then eat a thing that I've never heard of, and it's their very favorite. Right, thing. it's
0: delightful. Um, it's yeah, no, I love other people's kids. Other people's kids are great, and like. <laughs> Not that I have children that I dislike. I, I don't have any kids. I don't want any kids. I, But, but no, but other people's kids are terrific. Yes, and this one is yes. very cute. Uh, uh, Thank you. That's... Yes.
1: <laughs> and that's a great snack. I mean, that right? I would eat that today. I would love that. Yeah. Mm-hmm. I would do. I
0: would... That that could very well be a video of me. <laughs>
1: it could be. I've been known to go feral on my <laughs> meals as well. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Um, well... Pronamel is the number one dentist-recommended brand for acid erosion, so buy Pronamel Repair anywhere you buy toothpaste or mouthwash. Visit pronamel.com. Today's episode is brought to you by Discover Puerto Rico. Puerto Rico is home to a thriving culinary scene based on products and traditions from the native Taino, African, and Spanish peoples that have influenced it.
0: When you go, there are a host of restaurants, bars, breweries, distilleries, farms, and coffee houses to dig into, from five star experiences to local favorites.
1: No passport required for U.S. citizens and permanent residents. Learn more and plan your trip at discoverpuertorico.com. Imagine
4: you're a fly on the wall at a dinner between the mafia, the CIA, and the KGB. That's where my new podcast begins. This is Neil Strauss, host of To Live and Die in LA.